we're on. Um, so welcome. Uh, this class is called Gifted. Don't need you. Um, what we talked about and have been talking about is this, is this problem, I think it's a problem, in the church where there's something like 30 different definitions of spiritual gifts across the church. If you start here at Pentecostal, the definition is the list that starts with tongues, prophecy, those nine manifestations, spirit, first Corinthians 12. If you start over here with cessationists, it's the same list, but over here, all of those passed away, and over here, you better speak in tongues coming out of the baptismal, or you're going in again. You know, it's, and so, so there's like a very different approach. And then as you go across the middle, um, you start to get um, pastors and, and large churches or denominations who go, we should be teaching spiritual gifts to our people. It's, it should be, come on, you can, you can come up. Oh, you, if you like it back there, that's fine, but others, come on up. Um, we, sh we should be teaching something about spiritual gifts. It, it's in scripture, gee, maybe it's important. You know, it's, it's, like, it's like some, some Enneagram enthusiasts go, if you don't know your Enneagram number, how do you do life? You know, it's, it's kind of like that. And, and you could go yes or no about that one. But over here, it's like, we didn't come up with this list. You know, God came up with this list. And what does it mean? And, and we don't know. And so that has bugged me for years. Um, and because it's, it's bugged me, that has bugged my wife because I talk incessantly with her about it, have over the years. Um, and so we looked at, at what Paul said. And, and so Paul is talking to the Corinthians who are all about disorderly services and everybody speaking in tongues in a kind of maybe a braggy kind of a way. And people prophesying and, and, and it just was crazy and it was it was disruptive and, and harmful and not God. And he said, kind of, you idiots. You know, he didn't say that, but he said, you ignoramuses, literally. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. He said, there is a structure of the spirit world of which you are partakers and you don't understand the structure in which you operate. And he said, so there are varieties of well, he actually used this funny Greek word, deirisis, which is there is an analytical analysis you can do. And me being super geeky, Paul, don't invite me to a cocktail party kind of guy. I have done those analyses for you. And so there is a deirisis analysis you can do about charisma gifts. And there's one spirit that's tied to that analysis. There's an analysis you can do about ministries, your job, and Jesus, the head of the company, is tied to your job and your career path in Christianity. There's a variety of an analysis you can do about how the Father interacts with you and how you can recognize and cooperate with the Father as things get done, like Jesus did. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing, only say what I hear the Father saying, I and the Father are one. And then he said, the way I was sent into the world, I'm sending you that way. So this would be pretty important to get a handle on. And then he says, now the thing you were, you were all hyped up about, those showy kind of things, manifestation, Phanerosis, clearly visible works of the spirit, those things are real. But they're at the end of the line 
of what we should be concerned about. And this is the spiritual structure. It's called pneumaticos, pneuma, uh, pneumatic tires, air. Pneumaticos, the things of the spirit, of the pneuma. And he said, this is the pneumaticos structure. Other places we talked about in Corinthians, um, he talked about um, three kinds of people. And he talked about sarkikos people who are driven by their flesh, psychikos people who are driven by their mind, will, and emotions. That would be most people on earth, no, most Christians. And then pneumaticos people. And he says psychikos people, people who are driven only by logic, only by exegesis, only by hermeneutics, but not driven or led by the spirit, will think pneumaticos people are sort of foolish. They can't, they, they can't value them, and they're just not sure what to do with them. But Paul says the pneumaticos person rightly assigns value to everything. So we are called to walk by the Spirit. Romans 8 says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Not discounting the mind, but letting the mind, the will, and the emotions be the steward of what the Spirit gives and the Spirit says and the Spirit leads. And so we, if we want to walk, in my view, properly, we're led by the Spirit. Our mind, will, and emotions are the steward of the Spirit's leading, and our body is the slave. Paul says, I buffet my body and make it my slave, okay? And so that's kind of how we live. So it kind of looks like this. So here's your pre-Christian life. This is like me playing around with PowerPoint, see what I could do. And then God comes along, and um, you get born again. You're like, that, that was it. My <laughs> wife said, don't, don't show that twice. This is three times now. Um, and so then you get a charisma gift. There are seven. <coughs> you go, only seven? There are seven billion charisma gifts, but they all fall under the seven primary colors of charisma, like there are, there are seven colors of the rainbow, but they represent a billion colors, okay? So that's, that's how it works. In fact, Peter calls these the the variegated, the multicolored grace of God. He literally calls it the rainbow-colored grace of God, okay? And so we can understand it that way. So with our, our gift, this is, our, this is the lens we see the world through, our primary motivation in any situation. It is the part of the body that we are. It is our uh, basic talent in the church, and it stays forever part of us. It doesn't change. You only get one because there's only one you. It's like you only have one personality and we don't complain because, well, I want multiple personalities. No, you really don't. Trust, <laughs> trust, trust me in that. You one personality is plenty and if you can handle that one, you're good. And so in the same way, we each are here and I'm gonna show more on that in a minute. And then, then we begin a career path and, and we're gonna start talking about this today. We're, we're on a career path the energema, the energizing of the Father, and, and those, the, what Paul describes the Father doing is resourcing and guiding, or actually steering. It's it actually a word, is, is a word for a ship captain, steering. So it's more than guiding. It's not like, oh, I think you might should go right. It's like, we're going to go right now. You know, it's kind of like that. It's like the Father saying, look, if you follow me, we're not going to crash. We're not going to hit icebergs. We're not going to run afoul of the shore. 
and the power tools, tongues, prophecy, every one of those nine things, gifts of healings, all nine of those are available to any Christian when faith meets need. Okay? Not that, that's a little different approach, but um, those of you who don't know, so, so I, I'm like, I'm like the Johnny Cash of Christianity. I've been everywhere, man. You know, so, so I've been in kind of every kind of church you can be in. And, um, and I, can, I can tell you these can be used right, and it's miraculous, and wrong, and it's showy, and right, welcome to the Corinthian church again. Okay? But they didn't die out. 700 billion, I mean, 700 million people use them every day around the world. So the, 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 fig, the folks who think they die out are a m very, 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 very small minority of the church at large. And it's a shrinking. Uh, I was just at Lipscomb um, in the freshman onboarding program teaching about spiritual gifts um, through the president's office. So it's like, it's like all of us are going, oh, there's more here than meets the eye. And, and it doesn't have to be weird. It, in fact, it can be very comfortable. It can be very invigorating. It can be, wow, the spirit is alive and well in me. Huh, that's cool. Um, and then we just go about our spiritual lives, and there we go. Um, so we talked about this then being a convenient tool by which we can find our charisma gifting or our own arc. Everyone has an arc somewhere in the circle. Tried this out on almost 300 people now. And I'll just tell you one story. I probably told it before, but I was with a class of about 70 Lipscomb students, many of them nursing students. And I was describing these, and I, I, I describe one who shows mercy. And the one who shows mercy, the, the driver in their life, the thing that they look at is, is your life filled with joy or hardship? And and the way I'm going to help you is by being with you, not talking to you, not coming up with a plan. I'm going to help you by being with you and encouraging you gently and quietly. The one who serves says, do you have what you need or not? Um, do, do you have some things limiting you? Do you have some problems? Do you need a trailer you know, and a truck to haul junk? Okay, I'll be there. You know, I, I'll, I'll be there and I'll get two more people. You know, and, and that, they, they go home and lay down at night after a day like that, and they go, it was such a good day. <laughs> you know, the rest of us would go, that was so hard, right? But one was serving, they thrive on that. The one who gives says, do you have the resources you need or not? I'll provide connections. I'll help you get money. I'll, what do you need? That's what I do. The, what, well, let's go the other way. The exhorter says, um, are you fulfilling your purpose or not? The teacher says, the teacher is all about um, true and false. Is it true or is it false? The prophet is true and false with attitude. It's like, is it right or is it wrong? Okay, so prophets are, are, are incensed by things that are just wrong in the church and they can see wrong at one part per billion. If you have a, a preacher who is a prophet, all of their sermons will be about ways we can improve. If you have an exhorter who's the preacher on Sunday morning, all of the sermons will be about the goodness of God and the things he's doing in us, and isn't that amazing? And if it's a teacher, it's, it's going to be about the eschatological ramifications of Deuteronomy in your life. You know, it's going to be, you know, it, it, it's going to be, I mean, it could be great teaching, obviously. And so, and then the leader is like, y'all need to 
you know, be organized. <laughs> you know, if, if all of you are in a room, the, the leader will stand and say, servers on the right, speakers on the left, okay. You know, it's like, and so here are all the gifts around the room in the last couple of weeks, we did gift shopping. So if, you, if you're not sure kind of what your gifting is, we're gonna need to move on. But when this is over, you can walk around the room and there's details about each of the gifts. And if you see one that's most you, take that sheet off the wall, because I'm taking them all down next week. So take the sheet off the wall, and, and, uh, or I can give you copies. So um, I am never, I'm not gonna uh, review that long ever again. So, but I wanted to get us, because we're about to, we're about to totally change gears, and I was waiting for my attorney to walk in, so now I'm, now I'm ready. Um, <clears throat> okay, so we're gonna shift now from gifts to ministries, and this is, that, that definition is your current ministry assignment and empowering in the body of Christ. It's a measure of grace from Jesus for you to do a certain thing. Jesus will look at your gifting, well, he knows it in, intimately, but, and he will say, this gifting and this talent and this personality and this background and even this level of wounding, I'm gonna, there's a package and I have, I have something for you to do. And I want you to do it. I'm gonna try you out, if you're faithful and little, I'll give you much. I'm gonna try you out in easy things. Somebody's gonna ask you to help them do something. You go, you do it faithfully, and you think nobody's watching. Maybe no human on earth is watching you sorting uh, donated goods in the church basement, but God is there. He's going, he's not cutting any corners. Good, charge of 10 cities. You know, <laughs> how'd that happen, right? But, but Jesus is looking for people to promote. And he doesn't care about talent, intelligence, white teeth. He cares about faithfulness in the use of your gifting. That's all he cares about. He can make you really amazing. He just can't overrule your free will. He can, but he won't. And so if you choose to follow your ministry, then Jesus will say, um, I have a career path for you. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. So you have a set of good works that include your career, that include your family, that nothing is overlooked in this, this path. Uh, the body of Christ is very different than the church walls. 98% of use of all your gifting and mystery doesn't take place within church walls. In the, in the body of Christ. It's, it's out in the world doing what you do wherever you are, okay? That's how we can be a light to the world because we're in the world, right? Um, we all get together in church and it's too bright. You know, I, I had a friend say, there's too many lights in here. I gotta go where it's dark, you know, and, and they did. Created all these lights, then they had to move on. Okay, so here we are. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 1 through 16, is Paul's diairesis, that's Plato, it's a Platonic analysis system where you, you define the whole thing, break it into concepts and pieces, describe each piece, put them back together and go, I understand it now, okay? And Paul, Paul said there is a diairesis analysis you can do of how ministry works and there it is. Okay, memorize that, ready, ready, go. Um, so 
uh, 1 through 16, Ephesians 4, and there are, there are at least five, but we're going to talk about five. Don't take that picture yet because I'm going to fix that for you. Um, we're going to do some color coding so that we can sort out, and I've, I've made sure the same words are translated with the same English word because in most translations they're not, so that we can follow. And um, hidden in, in here then are some principles on how ministry works and how churches work or should work. Okay, so any questions? So that, that's where we're going now. So Paul has shifted gears. We're out of your charisma gift. And now we're going to start to talk about how your career path works. And we're going to look at it in two ways. One way is Paul's overall view of how the whole structure works. And after we're done with this, we're going to go back and look at Jesus, the boss. And we're going to look at what the boss said about the kind of employees he's looking for. Okay, kind of a different look at, at his parables, but you look at him and you go, he's the boss talking about employees. Okay, I get it, uh, you, whoa. You know, it's like, you know, you start, you start a job at Apple and the first thing they did with a couple of my kids who worked there was, sit down and you're gonna learn the Apple system. What's important, what's not important, and how to be a good employee. And I thought, Jesus did the same thing in his parables. He just didn't make it boring. Um, so anyway, let's, um, I think I've got this set here so that this, yes. So let's start with unity. So look at the yellow, not, not this one. Um, so be diligent to what? What do you see there? Maintain. So if, if I'm maintaining my car, that means I have a car, right? There, I've been given a car. So it says, be diligent to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then he says a whole bunch of ones. Why can you do that? Because God has given us one body and 45,000 denominations. Whoops. Okay, well, we're messing that part up. Um, one spirit, one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Whoops, we may, you know, it's like you go down that list of the things we were to be diligent to maintain, and all of us go, you know, it's like head slamming. You know, the first sound you hear in heaven is a lot of heads, a lot of hands going, oy, you know, oy vey. I didn't know that it was so important. Um, one Lord, one faith, one God and Father over, through, and in everybody. Maintain that unity. This unity is a gift. Until we what? Attain. Maintain this one until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature person, to a, to, to a mature body. We're attaining this one by maintaining this one and then doing the other things in here. This, this is how a healthy church is to operate, okay? So let's, let's go and talk about the two unities. Um, <clears throat> and I, I, yeah, I guess I kind of jumped ahead here. So there's two unities, and, and here they are. 
maintain the unity of the spirit, attain, and so attain is a deep understanding of our faith. Attain knowledge of the Son of God, Un getting to know Jesus, that I might know you. Paul said, I count everything as lost that I might know you. This, knowledge of the Son of God, unity of the faith. We come to an understanding, not through forcing people to believe what we believe, but by um, appreciating and looking at the differences and saying what's true there, right? What's true there? I, f I really firmly believe God has scattered truth across the whole church. And if we're willing to say, God, what's true here? We'd go, huh. There's just a lot you know, more of that going on. Um, so that is a gift and that is a goal. And when we see that this is a gift and look at what it is and say, God, how do I treat that as a gift to us and be diligent to maintain that gift? Not look for differences, but look for what's common and basic among us and appreciate the differences. It's like growing up in different families, different races, different parts of the country, different countries. Um, I lived in Europe for four years and, and I began to really appreciate even the various different parts of Germany, but the different parts of Europe and, and then Eastern Europe as it began to open up a little bit. And it was like crazy differences in how people looked at the Swiss were like, you're, you're, you're an amazing country. You know, it's like, I want to live here. No, nobody can live here but us. Okay, got it, got it. But um, so, but being to maintain that and then attain that unity. Here is um, from the Stone Campbell uh, background. The Christian Messenger, uh, 1833, Barton Stone pondered four kinds of unity. And uh, he talked about book union, Creeds and confessions, they become tests of fellowship and they divide, which wouldn't be maintaining the unit, you know, main, they wouldn't be that. Head union, based on common understanding of the Bible, becomes captive to the whims of individual opinion and breeds sectarianism. This is Stone Campbell, this is our guy, okay, talking about this. Water union, based on immersing believers, is simply not possible. I, I don't know how he, but he said it's just not possible. But he said, look, this is the unity we can maintain. Fire unity, Stone's way of depicting work of the Holy Spirit among believers when allowed to hold sway. Always will be a true bond of unity between Christians that can overcome every manner of human impediment. So Paul says, be diligent to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So we each have things to learn about what that might mean but the good news is, is it's not unity of a doctrine or of an understanding. It's unity of a person who lives in me. So Paul can say, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So a challenge to us is to say, Holy Spirit, teach me your voice. Teach me your ways. Teach me never to say, God told me, and I'll just say, I feel like God might be saying, what do you sense? Does that feel okay? Um, 
when we understand that uh, the spirit inside of us wants us to become spiritual people and spiritual spiritual doesn't mean I'm really good at Bible memorization and I know the I know the lingo it means simply my spirit I, I want my spirit to hold sway in my life not my you know the the sermon today and communion was amazing you know just uh, if you hear it, it it's just on this topic it's exactly on this topic but um, does that make sense so so when we talk about the two unities our job is to try to maintain that unity which means I should understand it I should understand not what my denomination teaches but I should understand spirit what are you saying and what is scripture just really what are just the basics love one another okay let me work on that one for the next 20 years and then then I'll then I'll get on to communion you know how we do communion in, in that sort of, yeah right and so um, yeah uh, any thoughts about the two unities then there's one which is pretty laid out all the things we attain which means I should understand that and there's one that we maintain uh, or attain we grow to faith and knowledge basically growing up it's like the kids fight on the playground but hopefully when they're adults they don't fight in the companies you know they have they have grown up they, they've matured and in the same way you know young Christians will fight about these things that they're just supposed to uh, maintain but hopefully they will attain a far deeper unity spirit knowledge faith um, which makes the other things seem a lot more trivial I know when I was in uh, Europe and there is a, a gathering of Christians from a bunch of countries and a bunch of backgrounds and we all started worshiping oh, I'm gonna cry just on memory but everybody the, the the worship leader said just begin to praise God in your native tongue and and I heard French and I heard Swedish and I heard German and I heard you know and I heard all these and it wasn't tongues it was languages you know and maybe there was tongues in there too but it didn't matter because we were all praising and it, it was like breathtakingly beautiful and when we stopped everybody said let's keep going <laughs> so, so the guy said I'm not gonna talk I'm not my, my talk is us keeping worshiping let's go and people just kept worshiping and it was like this incredible uniting thing where I thought you know you could say things in Swedish that sound way better than English you know it's just like I should learn how to say that phrase in Swedish you know is that kind of a feeling where each of the tongues express something wonderful and Paul's and, and Barton Stone says let's work on that together let's let's find that unity and that's what and that's what Paul is talking about is let's find that okay let's go to the sec I know I have a number two there oh each uh, so he says employer to walk worthy maintain the unity of the spirit but so there's one of the big butts of the Bible but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of the gift of Christ therefore it says he gave gifts to men and also he gave he gave some to be apostles and in other words, he gave an apostle to the church he gave something okay but we're right up here now 
because this is something that always gets confused as spiritual gifts, and it's not. These should not be in the list of spiritual gifts, and he's not talking about spiritual gifts. So let's talk about that, that word gift, the gift of Christ, because it's, kind of it's kind of a strange uh, animal. So, uh, the gift of Christ. <coughs> um, so there, we've just got that highlighted, and let me just move on. So here, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts in Romans 12. That's about the charisma gifts, and look what he said. He said, since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given us, charisma gifts, let's use those gifts. But in Ephesians 4, it's a totally different word and a totally different concept. <coughs> what he's actually saying is, each one is given grace, each, but each one is grace according to the measure of the gift consisting of Christ. It's called an exegetical genitive there. <coughs> Did I said it? Um, but what it really means is the gift consisting of Christ. In other words, you are given something of the ability of Christ to use in your life. Not your spiritual gift, but part of Christ. It's like, are you a toe? You know, part of Christ. In other words, in other words he measured, and we're going to look at this measuring again. But, but Christ said, I'm going to give, I'm the head of the body. And the, you know, we call it a church body. And it, it feels like an organization. But it's not an organization. It's an organism. So the head of the body is the brain, not the boss. I mean, he's the boss too, but... But Paul's point is, we are all part of this, and the brain of this body is Christ. He is the head. And we are all organs in this body. And so if you think about what does a brain do to, do to all the organs in the body, it's like everything. You know, it's like it, it gives it life. It gives it purpose. It, it, send, it makes sure it has all the nutrients it needs. It, it coordinates various pieces to raise its arm and throw the football. You know, it, it, does, it does everything. <clears throat> and my job as this organism, organ, is to do my job as the organ. If I'm a kidney and I go, God, I want to be a thumb. I mean... There's something wrong with me being a kidney. You know, I, I need to, that dad joke was horrible. But, <clears throat> but I'm, I'm a kidney. And, <clears throat> you know, I, I just don't, people don't honor kidneys very much. You know, until they, till they go bad. You know, but so, or, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a small ligament in a knee. And so every, everybody is a body part. And the brain interacts with you individually, continuously, to both give you what you need and call you to do things the body's needing to do. To say, flex now. Okay, I need you, bicep, to hold this thing for half an hour, be strong, right? So, so the, the analogy is a really good analogy on, on how the body works, and it's actually a part of a part of Christ himself. Okay, I have just enough time to do the measure because that goes right hand in hand with this. So let's go back to that. <clears throat> he says, okay, but to each one of grace is given according to the measure. Now look at measure is used three times. 
Well, let's, let's go to that. And um, it'll be easier. Okay, the measure of Christ in you. So you see measure is used three times. <clears throat> Grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gifts until we were going to grow, until we all attain to a mature man, to the measure of the fullness of Christ. That is, until we grow up and look like the body of Christ, the mature body of Christ, right? So if I got baby muscles, they need to grow up to be a mature body of Christ muscles. And then it says, we do that because each one is working within their measure the body will grow. In other words, let me order those in a way where you can see them easier. Each one is given a piece of Christ, a measure of Christ. You work within your measure, right? And when we each work within our measure, the body measures up to Christ's fullness because what? Each part is working maturely. Each part is mature. And when someone looks at that body, they go, this is Jesus. I encountered Jesus at that place. This ministry was Jesus to me. That person and their friends were Jesus to me. Right? And I don't have to be the whole thing. I, I will only ever in my life and at the last judgment be asked about the measure that I was given. Were you faithful in the measure you were given? We are each given. No one is left out. You may have never heard of this before. You may, you know, and it kind of doesn't matter. You'll be drawn to work in the things that are of interest to you. They, they'll, you go, well, you know, I should get involved. In that. Hey, what do you think, honey? Do you think, yeah, I think, yeah, you'd be good at it. You know, all those things happen just because we're humans who want to obey God. And even if we didn't know all of this, we kind of stumble into it. But it's way better to know it's a thing. Because then you can be looking for it. If you know your charisma gifting and you know this is a thing, you're like the person walking down a concourse on the people mover. You're not walking faster, but you're moving faster. And that's what this is intended to do. So we each have a measure of Christ. We each work within that measure. And when we do, the whole body measures up to the fullness of Christ. Does that make sense? And so Jesus, the head, has taken all the puzzle pieces and he's put them all together. So it's kind of just simple math. The body is the sum of the parts. The body is the fullness of Christ. The fullness of Christ is the sum of the parts working each within their measure be content with the measure you've been given. When you get to heaven, you will be asked only about the measure you've been given. That's it. And I can tell you uh, for a fact that there's a huge knucklehead factor built into you making mistakes, working within your measure. Just like there's a knucklehead factor with a child learning to walk. People didn't go, you idiot, you fell. They go, nice try, come on. All the families around and everybody's, you know. And that's the way it is with learning to work in your measure. The only thing you ever get yelled at, remember the parable of the minus? The only thing you ever get yelled at is not investing what he's given you. I mean, none of those parables talk about the mistakes those other investors made, you know, but they, they made some profit, but maybe they could have made more. 
doesn't talk about that. It talks about hiding your measure, hiding your gift, and wasting your life on other stuff, only other stuff. All of life goes on, but you're not going to get asked about your Titan season tickets, you know? But if your Titan season tickets served to help what was going on in your life and connected you with people, and, and God will use every part of your life along that measure with your gifting. He, he's the master of finding ways to use that. So in closing, um, I always think there's going to be 15 minutes for questions, and I always take 10 minutes too long reviewing. It's not going to happen next week. Okay. No review next week. We each have a charisma gift. Christ, whose body we are, gives each of us a measure of himself. We each use that charisma gift within the measure we've been given. Okay? And, and I know my measure through trial and error, friends, ligament relationships, we're going to talk about next time. And, and I figure out that measure, and the body becomes Christ-like because each one of us is walking within our measure, and the body looks like Christ. That church looks like Jesus, acts like Jesus. You know, The reason we joined here is this church looked more like Jesus than any place I'd ever been. And I've been a lot of places, but you know, when you serve the poor and you lay your life down for the needy and you take care of the widow and you help each other, Jesus is like, that's what I did. Good job, right? It's not like, you know, did you have super smoky rock and worship and 10,000 people? It's like, ah, you know, but what are you doing after church? Oh, we're having coffee and talking. Okay, good. You know, it's like, but what are you doing after that? It's like, are you working? Okay, so any, um, any questions about, uh, about that? And I'm going to go back to the... Uh, let's, just go to, let's just go to this one. So we talked about today about the two unities, one to attain and one to maintain. We talked about the gift of Christ, that is, he measured some of himself out to each of us. And we talked about us working within measure and the body measuring up to the fullness. Next week, we'll start with uh, equippers who've been given, the the five kinds of equippers who cover every equipping need in the body. But if we confuse them and assign them to a role in the church that's not them, it's not, it doesn't work very well, <laughs> okay? Um, but when we understand our staff should be five-fold staff, and we should, we should have one of these and a couple of those and four of those and three of those, works really well, and not make this one do what that one is doing. Poor pastors of small churches are told to do everything, and they can't. They burn out. They quit and become high school teachers. Then they really get burnt out. <laughs> okay, any last questions about this? Okay, see you next week. I'll be around. And if you, if you want to grab a gift thing and say, I think this might be me, I'm going to grab it, feel free. Thank you. By the way, these are all recorded, and they're on the media page at Otter Creek's website.